Some years ago, a wise man said the following words. And I quote literally. He said, the best argument for Christianity is Christians. Their joy, their certainty, and their completeness. But the strongest argument against Christianity is also Christians. When they are somber and joyless. When they are self-righteous. When they are smug and complacent consecration. When they are narrow and repressive. And then he went on to say, when that happened, Christianity dies a thousand deaths. You know, just in case you don't think that it matters to the outside world whether we are loving, joyful people or not, one of the most extensive survey ever conducted across the nation and was conducted by one of the most respected pollster. And the key question that was asked was this, what are you looking for most in life? When the results were tabulated, the analysts were really surprised, were genuinely surprised because they thought most people would answer would be on the top, would be financial security, success in business, success in life, whatever. But to their surprise, the top three things that people want most in life were in this order, love, joy, peace. The first three of the fruit of the Spirit. Please listen to what I'm going to tell you. What the world is desperate for, whether they know it or not, whether they're able to verbalize it or not, what the world is desperately looking for, not for more sermons, not for more exhortations, but what the world is desperately looking for is to see the quality of our love and the quality of our joy. And that is and was the very mark that distinguished the believers, the first church from the rest of the world in the Roman Empire. Although the word joy is mentioned in the New Testament 70 times, 70, is mentioned 70 times in the New Testament alone. And yet, many Christians use the word joy and happiness interchangeably. They use joy and happiness as if they are equivalent concepts. And that's precisely why you found so many Christians walking around with their lower lip so low they'll stumble on it. So many people wrongly think that church time is a time to be somber. It's a time to be sad. It's a time to be sour, not joyful. I've talked to people. So many Christians wrongly believe that the Christian faith is to walk around like you're being baptized in vinegar. Let me give you an example. A young girl became a Christian. She committed her life to Jesus Christ, and she was absolutely ecstatic. She was just so happy she was skipping. And then came the Sunday in which she stood up and made her profession of faith publicly and joined the church. And that afternoon, she went home. And at home, she was dancing and singing and rejoicing. That, of course, until her religious grandfather rebuked her with the following words. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You have just joined the church, and here you are singing and dancing on the Lord's Day. <laughs> well, the little girl was so crushed by her grandfather's attitude, she went out to the barn and climbed into the corral fence, and, and there she saw an old mule. 
And the old mule was standing there with sad, droopy face, blurry eyes. So she started patting the mule sympathetically. She said, don't cry, old mule. You must have had a dose of my grandfather's religion. (laughs) (laughs) Happiness and the pursuit of happiness has never made anybody permanently happy. I want to repeat this. Happiness and the pursuit of happiness have never made anybody happy, permanently happy. Because happiness comes from getting what you want. That's it. And getting what you want will give you a temporary happiness. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm saying it does. But only temporary happiness. And that temporary happiness is going to leave as fast as it came in. Then what? Then you want more and more. And the more you have, the more you want. And the more you have, the more you want. They tell me that drug addicts and hardcore alcoholics, that when they start, they cannot stop with the same amount with which they start. They have to get more and more and more because they need it to get higher and higher or to get more drunk or whatever it may be. And it's the same with all human nature. If happiness is your pursuit, you're never going to be satisfied. Let me tell you something else about happiness. As you continue in your pursuit of happiness, the periods of temporary happiness that things bring you are going to get shorter and shorter and shorter. That's why you want more. There's something else about this temporary happiness that comes from getting what you want. It's going to make you constantly living in fear lest you lose that which has given you happiness. Whatever it may be, you think about it in your own life. Whatever it may be. Now I want you to contrast happiness with joy. Joy is a fruit. The Bible said it is a fruit. And a fruit comes from the inside. (laughs) Not from the outside, not from the external, but it comes from the inside. In fact, you cannot hang fruit on a tree. You cannot bring it from outside and hang it, unless it's fake fruit, because if it's real fruit, it's going to rot within a couple of days. The real fruit is produced when the nutrients of the tree flows through it into the branches. The real fruit is going to be produced when the inner nourishment flows freely through the trees into the blossom. The real fruit produced when the tree is cultivated and the tree is become in a, a healthy connection with the root. It is not surprising, therefore, to what Jesus said. Listen carefully, please. He was talking about the believers as a branch, the branches, and he is the tree. And he said, abide in me just like the branch abides in the tree. Abide in me. And then he said, if you abide in me, what did he say? So that your joy be complete. (laughs) That's the way you get that complete joy. That's why where you get that inner contentment. It is by abiding in Christ. You see, joy is dependent on abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ, but happiness is dependent on the outward circumstances of life. Joy is not dependent on the events in your life. Happy events make you happy, sad events make you sad. 
But happiness is dependent on the events in your life. The Apostle Paul commands the Philippians to be joyful. Turn with me please to Philippians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul was reminding them that their joy is not dependent on their circumstances. You know, Philippians 4, this particular passage has really encouraged millions of people, millions of believers throughout the world for the past 2,000 years. Really been enormous encouragement to a lot of people. It's been an encouragement to me, and I know it's been an encouragement to so many of you. I mean, this Philippians 4 helped a lot of believers through the years to rediscover the real joy of the Lord and how it is manifested even in the worst of circumstances. I want to tell you a thing or two about the church of Philippi. As you look at it closely, when you examine it closely, you're going to discover that Paul was addressing some very serious problems in that church. They were anxious about their financial security. They were oppressed by the outside forces and they were beginning to feel intimidated by the enemies of the cross. They were suffering economic hardships and yet despite of that they were generous and they've supported the Apostle Paul's ministry. And that is why Paul thanks them. Here in the passage, read it, he thanks them for their gift. But then he goes in immediately to assure them that his joy does not come from material things. His joy does not come from the abundance of things and abundance of material things. But what even was more serious in the church at Philippi is that because of their suffering, they've lost their inner strength. They've lost their inner strength. And this, of course, made them vulnerable. They were vulnerable to all kinds of sins. Sin of division, where they're all fighting among themselves. Sin of distrust, where they're all distrusting each other. Sin of jealousy, they were jealous of each other. And that's why the Apostle Paul commands them to rejoice. This is in the imperative mood. He's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'm going to say it, rejoice. What is he saying? What is he saying? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, That your real joy does not come from favorable economic conditions. He is saying that your real joy does not come from being accepted by society. He is saying that your real joy does not come from having significance in society. He is saying that your real joy does not come from what you do or where you live. Or what kind of image you're trying to project to the world. Your real joy does not come from the size of the statement of your net worth. That's what he's saying. Your real joy does not come from belonging to the right club or the right neighborhood or the right social circles. But your real joy, your real joy comes from the knowledge that you are eternally saved and redeemed By the Lord Jesus Christ. He is saying your real joy comes from knowing that you are an heir, joint heir with Christ. Your real joy should come from the fact that you have been named in the will of God. In his will he put his name there to inherit not just a few bucks but the whole universe. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying where the joy comes from. You know, our world is trying to tell us. The joy can be found in the almond joy candy stick. 
or the joystick of your computer games, or in the joy ride in an expensive fast car. The world tells us that happiness comes from the happy hour or the happy meal. <laughs> one will make you drunk and the other one is going to make you fat. <laughs> what kind of happiness that is? Tell me about it. That's how confused the world is. They will not make you happy. Hear me right, please. Christian joy is not the absence of sadness. I can tell you and testify before God that in the lowest moments of my life, I have experienced and do experience the joy of the Lord like no other time in my life. Christian joy is not the absence of adversity. It is not the absence of trials in life. No. When the Apostle Paul was writing and he's commanding him to have joy in the Lord... He wasn't in the French Riviera. He was in prison. That's what he was writing about. Joy right in chains in the dungeon. Joy is precisely the very element that helps me and you to be able to see beyond the circumstances. Beyond the current events in your life. That's what joy does. Joy is precisely the very element that lifts my eyes up to the Lord who is far above and beyond and greater than my circumstances. In fact, joy, like love, as we saw in the last message, love can only be manifested and exhibited precisely at the tough times of life. So is joy. Joy, like love, can only shine in the darkest moment of testing and trials of life. Joy, like love, can be observed in the times of stress and strain. The deepest joy comes from the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, marvelous grace, amazing grace, knowing that all by myself, I deserve nothing but the judgment of God. Knowing that, believing that, understanding that, and yet knowing that through His grace, through His favor to me, He loved me, He redeemed me, He put me on the footpath to heaven, and then He has put me in the very hollows of His hands. And that gives me joy. No matter what else is going on in my life, that gives me joy. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said about that grace. He said, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing is going to separate me. From the grace and the love of the Lord Jesus, nothing, whether I am employed or unemployed, nothing shall separate me from the love of God. Whether I am rich or poor, nothing will separate me from the love of God. Whether I'm being accepted or rejected by people, nothing will separate me from the love of God. Whether I am spoken will of or ill of, whether I am criticized or praised, whether I am affirmed or ignored, whether I stand alone or with thousands of others, 
will make no difference to my joy because nothing separates me from the love of God. I've been reflecting upon this for a long time because I can look at things in our nation. I can see things and see how sin is rampant and and, and I can easily get discouraged. But I don't. Why? Because I have the joy of the Lord. But I've been thinking about this for quite some time. And I came to this conclusion. What really eludes most Christians, and I'm talking to Christians right now, I'm talking to believers. What eludes most Christians about the joy of the Lord is they feel they don't have a handle on the future. And believe it or not, that cuts right across the board. Christians or non-Christians, believers or non-believers. What eludes most people from getting the real joy, the lasting joy, the permanent joy, not the temporary happiness, but the lasting joy, is, is that they can't get a handle on the future. And the reason psychic hotlines and psychic networks are growing in leaps and bounds in society is because people want to have a handle on their future. They really do. They just want to get a handle on it. The reason millions of people are going to fortune tellers and channelers who try to contact the dead is because they want to be sure about their future. (laughs) They really are. I saw many months ago an English woman. She's contacting the dead, their dead loved ones, and there were such emotions. And I stood there and said, the devil understands. (laughs) He knows what's going on. These people are literally following demons. They want to get a handle on the future. Is he okay? Is she okay? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm talking to them. He's all right. Or the devil in hell, too, telling them they're okay. Now, I'm not judging. Nobody ever have a believing person went to heaven when they wanted to talk to a channeler. Ever. Ever. Because you have God's word on it. And the scripture said that absence from the body is presence with the Lord. You don't have to ask anybody else about that. People want to get a handle on the future. After I really thought about this, and I said, well, wait a minute. I already know the future. I already know it. I know who handles my future. And he told me everything is all right. He's in control. He has taken care of it. And when I close my eyes in death, I'm going to be in his presence in heaven. What else am I going to want to know? That is the secret of the joy of the Lord. The permanent joy. You know, it was said that uh, Benjamin Franklin was about to conclude one of his stirring speeches on the guarantees of the Constitution. Then, at that point, a heckler started yelling from the back and said, All them words don't mean nothing at all. Where is all the happiness you say it guarantees us? And Franklin thought for a moment, and then he said, My friend, he said, the Constitution only guarantees the American people the right to pursue happiness. You have to catch it. (laughs) And he's right. He's right. Listen to me. There are millions and millions and millions of people who are running breathlessly trying to catch it. But I want to tell you, happiness is like a bar of wet soap. Every time you try to grab hold of it, it's going to get away from you. Oh, gets away from you. Every time you try, gone. But not joy. Why do you pursue happiness, which is temporary? When you can have joy, which is permanent. Then I thought of how believers tend to lose their joy. 
And then in the, in the loss of their joy, they tend to confuse joy with happiness. And I said, how do I make that point? I want to tell you. I thought of a story, true story that had happened that will make the point. This little boy was given a priceless possession. It was his grandpa's gold pocket watch. Oh, he treasured it. How he valued it. How he held it close in his hand. And he would get it out of his pocket and he would look at it and he put it back again. Oh, how he loved that watch. And then one day he was playing in his father's ice manufacturing plant and he lost it. And the poor kid was just crying his eyes out and searching and scurrying, pushing the sawdust and the ice and going in between the ice blocks. And he was looking furiously, frantically looking and crying. His hands were getting cold. And then all of a sudden, he thought. He stopped scurrying. He stopped scurrying. He stopped searching and just sat on the floor. And in the silence, he began to hear the watch ticking. Tick, 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 tick. The joy of the Lord is the fruit of the Spirit-filled life. And when you're too busy to get filled with the Spirit on a daily basis, you lose it in the scurrying of life. And then you wake up one day, you realize that you've lost your joy. And then you begin to look for it. And, and, and sometimes you're scurrying around, trying to find it, trying to find it, looking all the wrong places, and, and then begin to look for happiness instead. And, and you get yourself in a frazzle, looking for it. And the more you scurry around, The more you become frantic, the more it gets away from you. Take a moment and be silent before God. Take time every day to be quiet before God until you hear tick, tick, tick. Take time every day worship the Lord. Let me tell you something important about worship. Your Sunday worship will not impact you anywhere near as it would if you have learned to worship the Lord alone. Alone. And you don't have to ask God for anything. Just be there alone, listening. And you know what will happen as you get filled with the Spirit every single day? You don't have to look for joy. (laughs) Joy is going to find you. Shall we pray? There may be a person here today who would say, you know, I've been looking for joy. I've been searching for it. I didn't realize that joy will find me. I've been so busy in my life. I've been running here and there and everywhere. Oh, doing good things, sure. That I have not sat in silence before God. Holy Spirit spoken to you. Say, Holy Spirit of God, let joy find me today. And I'm going to stop scurrying around. 
I'm going to listen to your voice. I'm going to open your word. Speak to me. Precious Heavenly Father, how foolishly we've ran around looking for what can only be ours through gift. Father God, I pray that you will teach us to be silent before you. Father God, I pray that you'll teach us that the Spirit-filled life is not an experience, it's a daily happening. That as we daily are filled by not grieving or quenching the Holy Spirit, we would bear all the fruit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Oh God, we cry to you that you allow our joy to be so evident that the world will seek us out, that our friends will seek us out, to want to know why do we have joy in the midst of trouble, that at any cost we will bring men and women to receive and experience the joy that you have given us and continue to give us. Keep us under the effect of the conviction of the Holy Spirit, not just today, but all of the coming week. Our Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.